Hey, Buntheads, welcome to another Bluntcast, uh, which originally airs live on Facebook Live. And this Bluntcast, our very first guest ever, Feminista Jones, actually sits down with us for this Zoom. And uh, if you haven't heard that very first episode, Feminista is one of the most unapologetically brilliant people in Philadelphia. She sat and shared her wisdom uh, with us for people who are joining the Black Lives Matter movement, her thoughts on black gun ownership, um, what she thought about the recent Dave Chappelle surprise uh, release, Sean King, Candace Owens. Um, she's really not afraid to share her opinion on everything and anything. And uh, she's also got a new book, Reclaiming Our Space, which uh, is sold out on Amazon, but keep checking. It's worth a read. So we hope you enjoy this. You'll definitely uh, get a different perspective and learn some things we think that uh, you don't get on most other uh, media outlets. So enjoy this uh, return performance by Feminista Jones. Stay safe, wash your hands, and wear a mask. Welcome to Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Good Times. I'm Reef. Hey, this is Greg. And we are honored and excited oh, to welcome back tonight's guest. Please give a nice warm welcome to Miss Feminista Jones. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, yes. First, first guest. Set it off for us. Yeah, yeah. Kick the nice. whole, kick the whole podcast yeah. off two years ago. Yeah. And Nothing's oh, been the same man. since. Right. Y'all have won crazy. like every award and made yeah. every list. Yeah. 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 We're just, yeah. we're, we're worldwide now. We're just riding <laughs> your coattails. We're riding your coattails. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta send you a check, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Once we get, once we get one, as soon as we get a check, (laughs) we're sending you the results. Whatever. Yeah, we're we're waiting for that. You're getting the cut. Promise. I'm so Um, proud of y'all. Like for real, for real. Yeah, keep it real, and you know the show is great, and y'all doing great things. So congratulations. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, obviously the world's changed quite a bit since we talked to you two Woo! months ago. And- well, I don't, I don't know if it's changed, but people are noticing it now. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Greg's going deep early on. Greg's right, I'm trying. Early He's coming early. out swinging. He's coming out swinging. My yes. glass is only half done. What are we supposed to do? <laughs> so uh, I want to see what, what have your last – two weeks been like can you give us a little bit of sort of a a day in the life you're somebody that's been an activist for for oh, years now and now you're seeing a lot of that work i would i would assume mm-hmm. being realized on a much larger platform what what have the last couple of weeks been like for you it's been white people being like oh my god save me <laughs> you like you now i get it oh my god <laughs> And no, <laughs> um, no, it's it's been it's been it's been heavy. <laughs> no, but that's really true. Um, it's been heavy, and it's funny because I was just talking to somebody today because everybody won't call me for an interview now, and everybody <laughs> I had people from Russia, South Africa, Canada. Everybody want me want to ask me what's it like to be an American. I'm like I'm a black woman. I don't know about that American shit. I'm, yeah. I'm black. <laughs> I give you that perspective. 
Um, but I was talking to somebody earlier and she was asking like about, you know, like a lot of people are going to Instagram for activism and things like that. And she's like, well, you've been doing this for a long time. And I'm like, yeah, you know, the people are following me because they, they uh, some people are seeking absolution, right? Um, yeah. In some ways, they want to know what can they do to be supportive. And there's nothing wrong with being supportive, but there was a lot of performative action going on last week. Mm-hmm. And I was calling it out straight up. You know what I mean? I'm little black squares people were putting. I was like, you guys, you're suppressing the messaging and imagery that Black Lives Matter needs, but you know, on this hashtag. And then people were just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, yeah, that's what happens when you try to perform mm-hmm. support rather than be supportive. And so I went from like 21,000 followers last Monday to like 49.5 today because everybody's like yeah. coming and being like, well, follow her, follow her, follow her. And so I was like, well, I need to throw up a picture of me with my fangs in so just so y'all know who y'all are with. I'm not, I'm not here to just be like a racial fact portal. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I cook, I have plants, I got a kid, I'm kinky, I like to fuck. Like, this is all the stuff that I put on my Instagram. So you think you're just going to come here and look at like some black trauma porn. And that's not what I'm about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I am going to teach you some stuff. So it's been really interesting. Like the last two weeks really has been about people discovering me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Learning what I've always been doing and really coming and being like, all right, well, I trust her voice. Somebody told me that she is trustworthy. Let me rock with her. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's been a lot of that. It's been it's been heavy though. Mm-hmm. It's been heavy. I'm ready. I'm ready for the revolution, right, right, y'all. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so sure. since, since, since I was on your show, I got two <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I'm just Yo, can I ask you? Like last time you were on our <laughs> show, you opened us up to like the um the statistics mm-hmm. of missing black women. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you about even in the situations where police murders. Brianna Taylor, like, why do the black, why do you think the black women who are murdered at the hands of police abuse do not get the same popularity and exposure as the black men do? That's a great question. There's a couple of answers that I think. I I can't speak for black men. I'm not a black man. I can speak historically, though, from what I understand about black masculinity and trauma. Um, One of the things I think is embarrassment, right? Because one of the markers of manhood is protection. And there's nothing that black men can do to protect black women from being killed by the police. And so according to the white standards of masculinity and what makes you a man is how you take care of your women, right? So there's a limitation there and I think there's some embarrassment. Um, Misogynoir convinces some people that we deserved it. So when we would see um, people like uh, Renisha McBride and, and Corinne Gaines, you would see on social media, a lot of black men were like, well, why was she getting high? Why was she sitting in her house? Why wasn't she doing this? You know, there's this idea that somehow black women have done things to deserve what happens to them. And that's misogynoir, right? And that's a white supremacist thing. Um, The other part is that we still default to exalting black men as leaders in our communities, despite all of the data and statistics that show that black women truly have been running and are running things, right? Um, like it's like you go to a church and like most of the people that do the work of the church are women, but the men are the pastors. So mm-hmm. we have a situation where we feel like, oh my gosh, our future leaders are being killed, right? That's how we look at black men. Like they could be the next Malcolm, they could be the next Martin, but nobody's thinking this could be the next, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer. Mm-hmm. This could be the right. next Ida B. Wells. This could be the next Rosa Parks. We're not even thinking like that. And so we look for leadership 
within black men. And so when they get killed like this, we start thinking, oh, they killed another potential leader of our community. And black women don't, are not afforded the same thing. Neither are black queer people. Like, you know, it, it's, it's anybody who is not a cisgender heterosexual black man does not get afforded the same consideration. You spoke on uh, today as well as uh, many times in the past about re respectability politics with all this, you know, the I'm not a thug, I'm a PhD. Can you speak a little bit about why that is? Because I have some friends or colleagues rather that kind of they feel like they need to throw that type of stuff in there. And I'm like, I ain't got none of that shit. And we could both die the same way. Right. And I think it's a, it's definitely um, a mantra of the black bourgeoisie and these people who have been able to achieve proximity to whiteness, right? They have been able to do all of the things that white supremacy has determined makes you a good person, right? So they have good jobs, they've got money, they've got degrees, they've got all these things. And so they feel that they are adjacent to that power and therefore they should be acknowledged as such. But the truth of the matter is none of that shit matters because you're still a nigga to them. And that's the bottom line. And so, you know, this whole, I'm not a thug, I have a PhD. I'm like, well, unless you're wearing a t-shirt that says I have a PhD, nobody's gonna know. And the police will probably shoot you twice in the face for even flaunting <laughs> that you have a PhD. Right. Because how dare you uppity nigga, like straight up, excuse me, you know, Johnny Gray, I'm sorry, but you know, we no. have to talk right now. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I told you I was gonna listen tonight. I told you I'm listening. <laughs> so there's, but, but you have to also understand on the other side of respectability politics is survival, right? So there's a reason that black people default to trying to prove that they are worth living. Look at me, look at all these things that I've done. You don't have to kill me. And so I, I, there's, a, there's a touch of empathy there, but I think I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm really over it, like the bootlicking and the groveling and the shucking and the jiving. Like, why are we doing the Cupid shuffle with some goddamn cops? That doesn't make any sense to me. That is not going to stop us from being killed. And all it does is make a mockery of the lives of the people who have, you know, who have been lost because of police brutality. So I recognize the survival of it, but at the same time, I'm like, no, we have to reach the place where we're saying, I'm not begging you to live. I'm not gonna take, I'm not gonna kneel. I'm not gonna get on my knees and beg for you to see me as a human being. You need to respect that regardless of what I've done. And I'm over that shit. I'm so over it. Mm. Word. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, this is always uh, a, um, you know, this is always an interesting conversation. Do you feel like things are coming out in the open a little bit more? Because I feel like in a lot of ways, we've always dealt with things, at least in my lifetime, sort of passive aggressively, like, mm. oh, we'll hire this person because it makes our company look good. Or, you know, oh, we'll just deal with this situation by uh, allowing this person into the college or whatever. Do, do you feel like something a little bit more raw has been exposed here that that's all just sort of, uh, you were saying performative, I think it's the word you used earlier. Yeah. Is, that, is that part of that? And now we're seeing something that's a little bit more raw and a little bit more real That's that everybody's having, because there's no sports, there's no live TV. Yeah. There's all just, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, Cat Williams, I, I wrote about this in my book that Cat Williams had this really great sketch where he's talking about, it was really kind of thinking about, you know, Occupy movement and 99% versus one. And he was like, you know, everybody's a nigga now, you know, because look at what's happened, you know? And so COVID-19 has really leveled a lot 
because the economic disparities between races has really been kind of a, a, a big gap. But when you have 20 to 30 million people filing for unemployment, people losing their jobs, you see in these pantry lines and these food distribution lines, you know, for miles and miles. Now some people are starting to feel something similar to how black people have been treated for the last four centuries. And so that's activated a lot of people, honestly. A lot of people, because we've seen people die on camera before. George Floyd, you know, he happens to be the rallying call, but we've seen people die on, on film before. So it's not him, but it's him happening after people have been cooped up and stuck at home for two and a half months. And they are just like, I've been physically restricted. I feel like I'm in jail. That's the language they use. I feel like I'm in jail. Right. I, I can't afford food. I don't have a job to go to. Wow, is this what you've all been going through? Oh, my bad. Right. Y'all was right. (laughs) And it takes something like this. And I I published a book called The Secret of Sugar Water in 2017. And the title poem addresses this exact thing. I tell you, I'm a very wise sage. I was foreshadowing this Mm -hmm. shit. I said, white people are going to come run to black people to learn how to survive these kinds of situations. Because we have had to. And that's why you see so many white people now flocking to these black prominent activists and influencers. Like, what do we do? How do we get through this? Because we have been doing this and now they need our help. So, you know, it's, it's been really fascinating to watch. It's, it's not George Floyd. It's not Ahmaud Arbery. It's not Breonna Taylor. It's COVID-19. It's economic anxiety like, like that you know, that they said was Republican. No, it's across the board. They realizing the government ain't shit. And the government is treating its own people like they're not human. Mm. And they're like, wow, this is what black people have been saying they've been treated. Wow. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big wow. fan of um, Noam Chomsky. And he mm-hmm. has said, as a big sports fan also, the only, I, we, die, we have a little friction in my thoughts and his thoughts, but he has been saying for years that sports are the distraction that keeps everything chill. Absolutely. And once you take Absolutely. away the sports, then people yes. start to lose their shit. And that's what we're seeing happening. Yes. And, and who drives the sports for the most part? The yeah. major sports, NFL, NBA, who yeah. drives those sports? And, and, and without that, okay, <laughs> what do you have? Right. So it's all it's all coming together, right? This denial of access to these things that people feel entitled to. And they're like, wait a minute, I can't do this thing? Wow, why can't I do this? Because the government says so? Wow. Right. 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 So all those people out in the street are not necessarily out there for George Floyd. They're not necessarily out there for Black Lives Matter. They follow right. the Black revolutionary blueprint, right? And they wait for us to kick shit off and then they join us. But a lot of them are out there for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I ain't mad at it. You recognize something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Can I ask you just to touch on what you just uh, spoke on, the people out there for themselves? I'm not going to name names, but I know you've made reference to people that are, quote unquote, the face of this movement that apparently are not who they claim to be. And they seem to be always in the forefront of this. And I worry about mm-hmm. that because that can really mess shit up for people that genuinely know what they're doing and are trying to make moves. Go ahead. I'll shut up now. 
Can, can Let I it fly. I'll take it. I'll take the heat. I, come on. I mean, uh, I know that Manista, I know that you have spoken about this, and I am percent oh. like I, everything I read. Sean King. There's something. There's you know. Is that who we're all talking about? Sean right, King. I wasn't gonna say. It. I mean, you know I need. I, mean? I need a decoder. I, wanna, I need a decoder right now. Because I, I saw something that said like, if you say. I saw her say something like, if you say his name, like, uh, I ain't, yeah. like, I, so I yeah, didn't want you to I'm leave the podcast. Yeah, all right. right. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's because, you know, <laughs> when I post something about, like, movement work or something, you know, people will feel the need to tag him. And I'm like, well, why are you tagging him? You, that, why do you feel the need to run to this man to tag him, to bring him in when I've been doing this longer than he has? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and and I I I'm bothered by it. like well first of all you don't really do much of anything but you know then there's a misogyny there mm-hmm. right that I need to call this man in to come help with this situation mm-hmm. but then there's also I was just like okay you know I I definitely talked about it and I've been harassed for the last week over this um, whatever bots or stands or whatever he has have like really descended into my comments and well in, in my messages really defending him and I'm like there's a cult of personality but it's even beyond personality there's something wicked going on like I just don't get it um from a mental health professional perspective I'm very concerned that his his actions are not that of necessarily a healthy person um I think that he has a compulsion to involve himself or to claim it, it could, you know he acts like as though he, you know, is a narcissist. I'm not going to, I can't diagnose anybody. I don't treat him, but he acts like that. Um, He acts like he struggles with his own identity. So he clings to whatever. Every time somebody dies, he's got a website for them. Mm. Like every single time somebody's killed by the police, two days later, he's got a website justice for a blank. Right. And it's like, it's yeah, it's, it's the compulsion. And just, he just sent out an email you know, talking about we did it. Brianna's law is in effect. He had nothing to do with Brianna's law getting passed. That was Black Lives Matter, Louisville. There's people on the ground that were working. He takes claim for that and then asks people to donate money. But the thing is, what I pointed out, and it was really important for me to point it out because I had gotten an influx of new followers. 90% of them are white people. Some of, a lot of them who had supported him, I said, here's what I need you to understand. You support him for two main reasons. One, he looks like you, and that makes you feel comfortable. And if we look across the media, the people who are getting the microphones are lighter skinned black people. And that's just the truth of it. People feel way more comfortable with lighter skinned reporters and political commentators, et cetera. Second, he makes it easy for you. He packs these to-do points in an email, at the end, there's a click to donate, and that's all you have to do. And you feel absolved. You feel like, I did something. I gave money. I clicked this thing. I did something. I can go on about my life. And in an expose, I mean, we've been calling him out for years. But a recent expose suggested that he gets, he should be getting about $640,000 a month, I think, for his North Star project. And that he scammed people pretty much out of like $34.5 million. And I'm just like, yeah. yeah. You know, what do we say? And yet, black women and femmes and queer folks who have been like organizing and really working behind the scenes, working 
walking on the ground, doing all these things, can barely scrape together the pennies they need to buy the materials for the protest, right? right? You know, the, the, all the bailout funds, you know, all of a sudden now they get all this money, but they have been struggling for years to get people to give them money to try to bail people out that didn't need to be in jail. And he's been taking all this money and can't account for any of it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, and, and he, but he's just one. He's just one. He's a big one. He's a big he's one. one yeah, that's, yeah. He's a big one. Like he's yeah. got celebrities in his pocket. Yeah. He's, he's a big one. And I call him, see, the thing is, the difference between me and some other people is I slap that nigga in his face. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I'll call him a camera to his goddamn face and he ain't going to do shit to me. Let, let's get real. You'll Brett, slap anyone in their face. Like, we, we're down with that. Like, we yeah, get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, he's threatened black women with legal, you know, lawsuits and, you know, all these kinds of things. And I'm just like, just show your work. You know, like, you go to, you go to school, I got the end. We'll show your work. Right. And he can't. Right. Right. So, and, but again, he's just one. There's a lot of opportunists that are out there. And it's like part of why I don't do things around fundraising or things like that is because I don't want people questioning my motives or anything like that. I just am like, okay, well, here's how I can facilitate this information here. I can organize this here. I can work with this. And people will always say, well, how can I give? How can I do blah, blah, blah. And usually I'm like, I'm okay. Don't worry about it. I'll be broke as fuck, but I'm like, I'm okay. Don't worry about it. Cause you know, I don't want to give off that perception. Right. You see what I'm saying? I started giving out food to folks in in, in Philly and I was like, well, I'm just going to do this out of my pocket. Cause during COVID-19, I was going to Kensington like once or twice a week to give out these bags of like food and supplies and things like that to people. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. If you want to help, cool, but I'm going to do it regardless. You know, that's kind of the approach that I take. Yeah. You know, so. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I have to wonder, you know, with just sort of the explosion in the past two weeks, that has to be a concern because obviously there's more money coming into Black Lives Matter in the last two weeks than there probably has been in the entire time it's existed. And where's all that money going, right? And like, that's, yes. that's a great question. That's a great question because they disbanded. They're not an organization anymore. Hmm. Wow. Um, and this, this was over, this was a long time ago. Yeah, you can find, fact check me, look up, Google it up, you know. Blue, <laughs> behind. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even disrespect you like that. I just trust you. No, no the, central, yeah. the central group, like um, Patrice, Opal, and um, Alicia, they disbanded. They all stepped away, and it was like, we're going in different directions. And I think Patrice has been the only one that's like kind of been still carrying the mantle of Black Lives Matter. The other two have been focused on their work. I know Lisey has been promoting her things. And again, I want to make this clear that I'm not like being, you know, shading any of them. They can do whatever they want. But people don't even realize that they disbanded. So my question is, for all these organizations and corporations saying, well, we are now going to respect our Black people and make a donation to Black Lives Matter. I'm like, well, which one? Because they're a decentralized entity, kind of like Subway. You know, you have your own franchises, and here's some guidelines, but there's no, there's no main office. <laughs> you wow. know, so Black Lives no Matter idea. DC and Black Lives Matter Louisville are very different from Black Lives Matter Oakland, and you know all that kind of stuff. Now, I remember back in the day, there was a lot of conflicts because a lot of the organ, the smaller organizations were like, 
they were not getting the financial support from the central office that they wanted. And there was a lot of conflict and drama around that. They were like, you all are getting all these multi-million dollar donations and you're getting all these like speaker fees and things like that. But we are asking for funding support and we're not getting it. So that was an issue. And I think that there was a lot of that kind of tension that was going on and it led to them disbanding. This was well over a year ago, at least mm. maybe almost two years mm. that they disbanded. So where is that money going? Right. Damn. So yeah, can, I, can I ask you, I mean, I trust you. You always keep it real. So, so you have a bunch of white people coming following you. I just want to know, like, your thoughts about the way people who are now just waking up to this moment or acknowledging this moment, your thoughts about that group and then how they can be most effective and helpful and supportive of the movement. I honestly, I think I'm a little bit different than some people. I'm always like better late than never um, because we need all the warriors we can get. So if it took you 40 years to realize that, you know, white supremacy and racism was systemic, and that it was harming all these people, but you, you, that light bulb went off, and now you a soldier for the cause, well, I'm gonna give you some work to do. Here you go. This is what I need you to do, Susan. This is what I need you to do, Chad. <laughs> you go Susan like, over and, and Karen. <laughs> no, because I, well, the Karen shit is a gendered insult. Okay. And, and, you know, we can talk about that in a second, but yeah. like, I will, you know, I will put you to work, and I'm gonna see how far you're willing to go, like what your capacity is. You willing to do this? Let's do this, okay? You say you're ready because we need as many people as we can get. We are fighting against, you know, a system of oppressions. Yep. <laughs> We're fighting racism, sexism, queer phobia. You know, capitalism itself is so, so destructive. Like, we're fighting all these things. We need everybody that we can. I don't like the performative stuff, like I said earlier. You posting a couple of memes on, you know, social media is not it. I do appreciate the folks that have been going in the streets. A lot of white folks and non-black folks have been going, linking arms, you know, supportive. That's super important. But I had um, recently said, you know, they're starting to shoot white women in the face. And when, you know, they talk, they talk to Angela Davis and she's like, you know, this is different. There's been talking to a number of people who it's like, I haven't seen anything like this before. And I'm, I agree. When they start hitting white women who are the greatest, hottest commodity of white supremacy if they're willing to mace and pepper spray and tear gas and shoot white women in the face with rubber bullets you know something is very different right now right they would never do that before so i'm i'm here for it i'm here for the activation i'm here for people that are like really trying to be down with the cause because we need everybody but you you kind of need to prove a little bit you know, you gotta, you gotta cut your teeth a little bit. There's a lot to learn. You know, it's not just you can't just take to the streets. Yeah, this is this is this is work. This isn't a picnic. You know, you don't you don't get it's one work. Parade. You don't get one parade down the parkway and say you're part of the movement, right? You can't just right? hold a like, sign that like says pro- enough. Yeah. <laughs> like- right, like the protests almost are turning into parades, and the media has been complicit yeah. in constantly using the word peaceful every three seconds. Peaceful protest, peaceful, peaceful. So I'm like. Y'all really are trying to water this down and sanitize it like you did Dr. King. Right, you changed right. the name of his speech from I have, you know, from normalcy no more to I have a dream right. to make it more palatable. 
You cannot do that with these protests. They stopped covering when the looting stopped. The protests have been happening every single day across every this day. country. Tomorrow, there's big one happening in Philadelphia. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So the media is, is complicit in this. Peaceful, 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 peaceful. Oh, fuck peaceful. Right. right. We, we peaceful times are over. You don't have to be peaceful. Yeah. The, the I worry about oh. that, too, because I feel like, you know, it, it feels like there was a lot of momentum because they're not covering it as much and because people are starting to, you know, they were all hyped for a couple of weeks and now they're kind of, it's kind of, you know, not as much a part of every people's everyday lives. How do you keep the momentum going for something like this? Or will it just die down? Do you yeah. Think? And it's tough because the the movement folks have pivoted towards focusing on Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. right? Because they're like, okay, you know, the arrested, the folks that, you know, the, the police officers that killed George Floyd. But Breonna, you, could, you arrested the people that killed Ahmaud Omri. But Brianna's people have not been arrested, even though they just declared no knock warrants to be illegal now. They still haven't been arrested. So people have pivoted towards her. But again, as I said earlier, she's a woman. And so misogyny comes into play. So even among, like, white women who fucking despise us, you know, among white women, among people who are just coming into this, they don't get why Brianna is important. They don't get it. It doesn't make sense to them. White women will rally for a black man for reasons that I could just let it linger. <laughs> but uh, do you have to? Do you have to? And, do you have to let it and, linger? <laughs> okay. Like the envy and hatred towards black women is also very real. So now that George Floyd has been buried, he's had his memorial, right? They're like, okay. They were arrested. Cool, I can go. And oh, wow, they're opening up again. So I'm going to go back to work. Right. You know, so that's that's a big part of it. It's, it's frustrating. So I like where, where, same cycles. where is the NRA? Like Brianna Taylor got shot in her house and her boyfriend at the time had a permit. He had a legal gun. He's oh defending his God. home, right? Guy, people who did not identify Are you really asking that? Yeah, rated in. Like, what's going on? Where's the NRA? No, but you but your your question is so valid and i just did um i did a live with um my brother uh david johns who is the director of the national black Co- uh, justice coalition and we were talking about this like black gun ownership and i and my point is like so many black people are part of the nra when we have black gun associations and i'm like if more of us that are gun owners joined our organizations we could have the power to lobby the way that the nra does because the nra right now is only about white supremacist interests philando castile was killed he was telling them i have my concealed carry permit i'm going to show it to you and they shot him so this you know the nra really does represent white supremacist interests so black people that are interested in gun ownership we really need to be supporting our own. I'm a member of the Black Gun Owners Association. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get people to do that. You know? So yeah. the NRA is not going to show up. Why would they show up for us? They want us dead. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. The, whole, the whole marketing campaign is Black Lives Matter is a threat to you and your family. So you need to yes. get gone. Tucker Carlson, they're coming for you. Oh, right. Like, and the are thing you is, for is real? The fringe... Their fringe members 
are the ones who support us, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so there's the fringe NRA people who are like, well, wait a minute. They have the right to carry guns too. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. And they kind of go against the norm. But, but I feel like this last three months, I, I feel like all of us, like kind of have to reevaluate how we see the world right on on so many levels and i mean for me i have to think more about you know what what does what does the second amendment mean i've always been somebody that's mm -hmm. I hate nra so i've always been very anti-nra but i'm also like mm -hmm. oh wow the government can't protect us like we yeah. saw that for three months the government is completely incompetent it cannot mm. it, it doesn't know what it's doing these are all idiots and they've only been, they, they get elected because they know how to hand money to rich people. They don't know how to do anything else. And, and yeah. so is there anything that for you in the last three months has been like, oh, the world's different than I thought it was three months ago? Um, no. <laughs> because if you check, <laughs> all right. <laughs> if you check my tweets from 2017, I predicted all of this, like literally, and I'm not even like making it up. I literally had threads where I said that people are going to be hungry, they're going to be starving, they're going to be stressed out, they're going to be hoarding things. I was telling people back then, start saving your money, start getting your supplies, start doing all these things because this is coming. This recession is coming, this, but it's going to be something like we've never seen before and people are going to get angry and they're going to get violent and they're going to demand. I mean, like literally I have said this, I'm like the stock market is going to do this, white people are going to have guns and they're going to storm this. The president is going to, I have said this. So I feel like I was ready and I was, I feel like a town crier who was trying to get people to see this is what's going to happen. I didn't know it was going to be a viral pandemic, but I knew that something, and the thing is, it's not even a viral pandemic that's doing this. It's the way the government handled it. Right, right. right. Because if you remember right before COVID. In Japan. Like, the, like they're back it, to normal already. Right. But also right before COVID, our president was trying to go to war with Iran. And so I was talking more along the lines of war because I was like, I know this man is going to try to start World War III. But then COVID hit and he had just bombed Iran. <laughs> you know what I mean? We people forget forgot about all about that. that. Like, that yeah. This year. Yeah, yeah, people forgot all about that. <laughs> he tried to start a war with Iran. So I was like, I knew it was going to be something. And it's just so devastating. And, and when people say cruelty is the point, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it is. You know, it, it is it is so debilitating. And again, mental health professional, I'm like the psychological warfare that is happening with this government on people. Like it's it's the worst gaslighting like oh. ever. Oh. As 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 a mental like, health expert, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. As as a mental health expert, how do how do you how do you tell people how to deal with this and process this without going fucking crazy? Or should we just go crazy? Should we allow it to just <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm ready for the crazy. Like yeah. I don't like to use that word too much, but at this point, I'm ready for the crazy. Let's go, Buck Wild. We need to do something different. You know, I, I I think of Nat Turner, who you know was said to have had schizophrenia, and he based his revolution on these visions he had, and these dreams and these visions that he had of his people being free by way of this kind of revolution. And I'm like, I'm here for it. Schizophrenia, yes. Bipolar, yes. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's rally. Let's rally. Yeah. <laughs> Everything has to change and be different. 
And yeah. we can think of all the tactics, whether it's been black liberation, women's liberation, queer liberation, whatever. We have to think of all the tactics and strategies we've employed in the past and how far they have or haven't gotten us. And right now we're at a moment that is a perfect storm of events that will allow us to try something different. When yeah. you have people in Philadelphia trying to escape the highway and they're being locked in and tear gassed and not even allowed to get off the highway, that's something that should activate something even in the most jaded, cynical person. You should see that and say, that's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the most Rizzo, pro-Rizzo South mm-hmm. Philly person has mm-hmm. to look at that and be like, those people are running away. Why are they doing this? Mm. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we, we, we might just need to go crazy. Mm. Yeah. So you're okay with like, um, I don't know, there's the, the George Floyd reaction. There's uh, Breonna Taylor. There's income inequality. Like all these forces now, it feels like, without sports yeah. as a di- distraction, yeah. without anything. There's no Bachelor. There's nothing going there's nothing. on right now. There's they got no... a black bachelor now. <laughs> right. right, 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 right. It's over. It's over. So, it was success. Is, we won. Is it like that perfect storm right now where everyone's just like, everyone's coming together? Bachelor, everybody go back to work. <laughs> right, right, right. Today. And, you know, I was thinking about the sports thing because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, he was talking, he was um, on Oprah's uh, thing and he was talking about, you know, I've been protesting and I've been doing these things and a lot of athletes have. And that whole Laura Ingram, you know, stick to dri- I think it was, yeah. her, it was like stick to dribbling and things like that. We've tried to deny athletes the right to speak up. Again, we want black men mostly to entertain us with these sports activities. We don't want them to be political. We don't want them to remember that they are black human beings. We want them to perform for us. And so when they start speaking out on these right. issues, Folks get, a, you know, they get concerned. But now with no sports at all, yeah. you've got a lot of people, you know, you've got Dwayne Wade who is supporting his trans child, his trans daughter. You know, you've got other people who are just, they got time on their hands. <laughs> yeah. Now they're freaking out. <laughs> so many, they like, nigga, if you just don't play the fucking sport, to shut up. <laughs> you know, like, right. you ruin this for me. Yeah. Bad enough, my season tickets are gone. <laughs> now you're talking about Black Lives Matter. What the right. hell? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is supposed to be my escape. Yeah. Right. But there right. is no escape from this no right now. Escape. No. Yeah. So I'm glad that sports is suspended because mm-hmm. this needs you can't turn to ESPN. Right. Right. ESPN is showing George Floyd being killed too. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. or games from 15 you know? years ago. So, yeah. Where um you know, I wrote I wrote an article for um Essence magazine really looking at the history of athletes who have stood up to these kinds of things and I was really digging through this and the ways in which they have tried to silence athletes mm-hmm. from just speaking up to their humanity has been atrocious. Yeah. Yep. And the backlash. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, have you ever read Forty Million Dollar Slaves? By William Roden. I'm not reading it, but I know what it's about. Okay. <laughs> uh, here we go, Reeve. Just sit back and let this happen. <laughs> <laughs> only because, only because, only because I don't believe the athletes are slaves. You get a check, you ain't a slave. Right. You are exploited, yes. You are used, yes. But if you get a check, you are not a slave. And I think that that is a disrespect to our ancestors that some athletes or some other people would refer to them as slaves. 
Because if you got forty million fucking dollars, you ain't no guy. <laughs> you are choosing to do this. Right, you signed right, that check. You right. made that deposit. Right. Do you, so do you, you think, decided to work within these conditions. Do you think that the um, NFL apology without naming Colin Kaepernick was enough? Fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Kaepernick, Eric Reed. Right. Yeah. To, to really protest that. Right. Colin joined him. But see, Colin yeah. is the light skin. Remember what I was saying about oh, yeah. <laughs> Colin is the light skin. Mm. So people, you know, he's biracial or whatever. He was, a, you know, raised in that. So people gravitate towards him because he feels safer. That's why he started wearing his afro. He was like, I'm not safe. Look at this afro. Right. right? But people felt yep. more comfortable with Colin than with Reed. Mm. And that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The NFL wanted to say they don't, they don't want to apologize to him. Everybody's like, oh, give him back his job. I hope he's like, fuck this job. He's been doing so much more. You right. know, for the growth right. and betterment of communities, raising so much money. Yeah, you know right. he's well taken care yeah, of. I don't, I don't want him to come back. I think he's, he's like he's. Yeah, he's, he's, I want him to do something like Kobe did with Mamba Academy. You know, start mm-hmm. something where he can train younger people, and I don't want him going back to the mm-hmm. NFL. Do you think it'd be a more powerful statement if he said, "No, fuck you, I don't want a contract with you"? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure. And I think there's so many young people that are watching right now that are in these young leagues. Right. They're they're starting to get into football. And I think that they're looking at this and they're looking at him and they're like really thinking about this. Like, is this what I want to do? Because this next generation is like through the roof. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like they so woke. Like, they about to bring Vibrant back. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they really about that life. They done had Starbucks Vibrant. Red Bull, they woke as fuck. Turned up. So they, they really are going to be like, I'll just focus on my engineering degree. Fuck this NFL shit. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think, so I think that it is powerful for him to wear his dashiki in his ass. Can I ask, can I, what do you think about like uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer wearing the African garb? You know what she feel? Uh, no, no, no I don't know. I need to hear this. Question, but you know violent. the answer. Reef, next question. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Speaking. <White> gaslighting. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell are you asking me this? Because <laughs> yeah. it's right. a Philly block. So, you know, I thought <laughs> actually, you know, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. I was more disappointed in a congressional black caucus and. You know, Karen Bass, who is the leader of the the CBC, I respect her so much. I mean, she's such a badass. Like, she'll say the things that other people are scared to say. And I I was definitely disappointed. I was like, sis, why are you doing this? Like, you know, this is not what we need to do. And this idea of kneeling, right? First of all, if you're not praying or if the anthem isn't playing, you don't need to be kneeling. I'd rather live on my feet, die on my feet than live on my knees. So people are are kneeling for eight minutes and 46 seconds, reenacting the police actions of what they did to George Floyd. And it's, it's been, it's really been bothering me. And now you have NYPD issuing apologies. I'm sorry that I kneeled. I didn't mean to do it. I got caught up in the moment. So why are y'all kneeling? You don't need to be kneeling. Raise the black power fist, Nancy. Join us. Yeah, right. But why are you in the Kente? Because the Kente stoles have a lot of meetings. And it's not for white people to just throw over their head and take a knee. Like, that's that was so offensive. Yeah. But the Democratic Party are offensive overall any damn yes. way. And yeah. 
they're rallying behind Joe Biden, who fucking hates all of us anyway. That man said, <laughs> he's like, your children suck because you can't read. Like, he really told black parents that our children are, are, are struggling because we can't read. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I can't believe that that's... He's, that's, like, completely racist. No, Joe Biden is a racist motherfucker. And here we are, like, I, everybody's I, like, well, shit, we got to vote for him. Yeah. I feel like I'm he's like, classist. He's, he's racist and classist. Classist. He's racist and classist. Yeah. And well, we all well, got to vote for him. From there's an irony right. here. If I, can, if I can play devil's advocate, there's an irony here. <laughs> here and the go. irony is that black voters are the ones that made Joe Biden the nominee. So here, yes, and I and, and the devil doesn't ever need an advocate, you white devil. But <laughs> get your point. Man, I've been waiting for her to say that to him all like two years. I've been waiting for her to say that. <laughs> but no, but your point is valid, which you know again it speaks to the power of black voting blocks. And let's be specific, it's black women voting block, right? Yeah. And it is because of the respectability stuff we were talking about earlier. Like a lot of black people, you know, we're talking about defund the police, you know, abolish the police and, you know, majority whip, you know, Claiborne comes in and it's just like, we don't want to defund the police. We don't, we need the police. We love the police. And it's like, nobody asked you, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So we have amongst the democratic party, a lot of black people who really are still about that respectability stuff. And so mm-hmm. they loved people like Senator Kamala Harris. They love people like Joe Biden. They love the people that kind of speak to that middle of the road, you know, kind of thing. They don't want the radical action. And they're the ones that are coming. And a lot of them are older. A lot of them supported him when he was with Clinton. So let's think about it. That was a long time ago. We, we think that we're young. It's 2020. The Clintons right. were in the 90s. You know, Clinton was right. in the 90s. So that's at least a generation ago. So these are the people who were as gung-ho for Clinton as the Bernie bros are now, right? Yep. That's, you know, that's the context we have to think about this. So they've been waiting for this moment, right? They want them Clinton years back. And they think they're about to get it through Biden. So particularly in the South, where a lot of people went, migrated to the South during the 90s because they had the economic opportunity brought by the Clinton era. So in some ways, they want to reward Biden with that because he in part helped them get to where they are mm-hmm. you, you mentioned right? i i was i was supporting elizabeth warren mm-hmm. i was i was for elizabeth warren um i i was for how progressive she was i mean she had her limitations but honestly her platform was the one yeah. that made the most sense to me um and i met with her and you know talked with her and got my selfie and i was just like <laughs> okay I was like, if it has to be a woman, it wants to be her, and it should be her. And I got attacked for months from K High, who was oh, just like, well, yeah. how can you support this white woman over this black woman? I said, well, when she stops being a pragmatic centrist, then perhaps <laughs> yeah. I can. Perhaps. Right. You know, when she stops being an Obama Democrat, right? Like her you know, incarceration rates possibly- were crazy. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, maybe we can get there. And I do like what she's doing in the Senate. I do think that she has a strong role in the Senate. I just, 
I voted from I wanted my values, you know, right. and and for me, Elizabeth Warren represented those, and mainly because her platform was basically designed by black women. So, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. there's that. So. Can I ask you? You touched on the um, the defund the police, abolish the police movement. Where do you stand with that, and what does that look like to you? And why do you think people can't have have such a hard time understanding what it means? I'm a 100% abolitionist, and um, that's a hard stance to take. Right? It's it's you know, people will always say to me, they're like, well, at least you're consistent. Um, a lot of people right now are calling for Breonna Taylor's, um, off, you know, the people that killed her to be arrested. I'm not because I'm against the whole system. So it's hypocritical to be an abolitionist, police, prison, all of that, and then call for them to be arrested. Right. I personally wouldn't mind them taking two slugs to the dome, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming from a different strain of ancestors. Mm-hmm. We 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 handle vigilante shit like this. You know, word to Robert F. Re- Williams, who they got their guns and handled the Klan. That's where I'm coming from. But I understand the defund movement because defunding is a step towards abolishment. Defunding means redirecting all this money that they're getting, right? Philly right now wants to give them, what, another $14 million to the police or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, for, for what? For what? When I just saw another video of a police officer choking a dude out against the concrete curb, and he was black officer, and the and the Latino officer was holding his hands behind his back, and I'm like, for what? Why are we giving them more money to do this? Because the truth of the matter is, we are looking and we pay police officers to do the work of social workers, nurses, you know, other folks. When we can take that money and redirect it to empower those who actually know how to handle those situations, right? Mm -hmm. The city is trying to get rid of the arts programming, Mm -hmm. like the budget, have you you all seen the budget? Mm -hmm. It's disgusting, they've wiped it out. And it's like, like studies have shown that when you provide these opportunities for young people, arts education, physical education, all these other opportunities, you reduce crime. Right. You reduce the behavior that leads to crime and you give them the opportunity to explore something different. So why take away that money from these programs that could set them on a different course unless you want them to go that way? Mm-hmm. And why would you want them to go that way? Because maybe you're a city that makes a lot of money from the prisons. Mm-hmm. Maybe the privatization of prisons helps you balance your budget. And you know that without diverting these young people into these prisons, the money won't be made. Mm-hmm. And that's the struggle that I have. And as long as that is something that we know to be true, as long as they are sending inmates to fight fires, right. as long as they are doing those things, I cannot support that system. I want it shut down. Mm-hmm. And I, But I'm also someone who wants us to critically interrogate what that looks like on the other side. Right. We can call for defunding and we can call for that, but what does community governance look like? Mm-hmm. Racism still exists, sexism still exists, classism, queer phobia, all these things will still exist. So who gets to govern the communities? Angela Davis was, was getting us way back to think about this. And when she wrote in, in Prisons Are Obsolete, she's asking us, okay, so now that we get rid of this, what does this look like? How do we transition out of this in a way that holds people accountable for their wrongdoing, 
but also does it terrorize people for the rest of their lives because they stole a fucking candy bar? Mm. I hear that shit in the background. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so that's how I think about it. I'm for full abolishment, um, abolition, I should say. And, And that's the goal for me. But I'm also somebody who's been talking about it. I've been doing this for over two decades. My master's thesis was an alternatives to incarceration. I've been fucked the police. That's why I went and got the degrees that I did, because I've been fucked the police for 22 years now. You know, a lot of new people are coming, and I appreciate it, but I want you to educate yourselves. This ain't some new hashtag trendy, oh, defund the police or whatever. This is a move. This is movement work. Du Bois was starting this over 100 years ago. And he, you know, I posted on one of my things where the NYPD was sending him a letter like, okay, well, we're forming this commission to look at the treatment of police and corrections officers. You know, you know, we want you on this and here's what we're going to do. So I'm like, so all of you that are thinking that this is new work, this is not new work. Mm-hmm. We are continuing it. But let's make sure we understand what we're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, lot so, uh, people, a lot of people here defund the police they hear definitely abolish the police and the word that comes to a lot of people's heads is going to be anarchy. Yeah. How do you address, how do you address that to people who are very used to this concept and, you know, very used to these systems when that's what pops into their head? How, How would you tell them that that's not going to be the result? You know, I, again, I will drop Angela Davis's Our Prisons Obsolete because she also addresses this too. It's the assumption that human beings can't govern themselves and that human beings are inherently criminal. So if you assume anarchy, it's because you believe that human beings are the worst of the worst. Now, do I believe that there are some people that are just greedy and bad? Yes, because I believe that greed is the root of all of this stuff. But for the people who are scared and they're worried and they're concerned, you have to think, so my whole thing is, what is crime? And we have to interrogate what crime is. And how we define crime is inherently biased. Marijuana laws are based on racism against black men and Mexican men, right? Like seriously, a century of stupid laws because they don't want white women being raped by men who are high. I don't know about y'all. a lot of men that are high. I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but right, there's a slowdown. <laughs> it does not make you hyper. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like, so we have to think about what is crime and how are we defining crime. And so that's where the existential crisis comes in. Why so many? Why we've never figured this out. Because cause you're saying it's going to be anarchy and, oh, my God, they say, what about the rapists? I was like, well, less than 5% of rapists go to jail anyway. So what the fuck do we need the police for? Right. If 95% of rapists, is, rapists go free or never even step into a courtroom, what's the, what's the fucking point? Right, right. It's a, if you were only take. doing 5% of your job, would you expect to keep getting a check? Yeah. Right. right. Get, you know? Yeah. So that's what I say about with the anarchy, anarchy thing. I tell people, first of all, most crimes are property crimes. Mm-hmm. And they're material crimes. Mm-hmm. So if we didn't have so much value in stuff, we, then people wouldn't want your stuff. And they wouldn't be inclined to take your stuff <laughs> or destroy your stuff. Yep. So maybe the focus is on devaluing stuff to reduce crime. 
Mm. You know, I, I think about it that way, but I also yeah. have a degree in sociology of deviance and law. So, mm. yeah. can can I ask you? Um, because tr- uh, the president is going to have his first rally on Juneteenth in Tulsa. Do you believe that either he thinks this is an important day or he's just clueless and this happens on this day? Like, what are your thoughts about when you hear this is happening on this day? I want to know if you think this is calculated, if he's trying to gaslight us, if he doesn't know what's going oh, no. on. It's, it's not him, though. I don't think that any of this is Donald Trump. I think it's his handlers. I think it's people like Miller and Mueller Stephen and Miller. Barr and Mnuchin yeah. and all those. You know, I think it's the people behind him. I think that, you know, I've said this for years and years and years. Uh, you can type up, look me up with the word scapegoat. I think that Donald Trump is such a reprehensible person and has been for decades that he is the perfect scapegoat for all of this. We can focus our anger and our ire towards him and cause, because he's just so terrible right. that we ignore the fact that there's actually people behind who have been trying to get these things done for a long time right. and are able to manipulate and use him. That man doesn't know what Juneteenth is. Right. He doesn't know what right. Greenwood and Tulsa means. He doesn't know. Like He does right. not know and he does not care. But the people behind him do. And so cruelty is the point. And it's mm-hmm. definitely an effort to gaslight. It's definitely, I mean, tr- I feel like there's a race war that people are trying to spark off. And there's no better way <laughs> than to try to provoke black people who are carrying 400 years of oppression on their shoulders than to go to the site of the Tulsa massacre right. on Juneteenth when we celebrate our liberation right. and give a goddamn speech. Mm-hmm. You want to ignite a race war? That is the way to do it. Right. And I'm gonna be honest. I do not blame those of us who react because that PS- PTSD in our veins is real. Mm-hmm. So if people do react, I mean, there's a whole. I know there's um, there's a movement plan for for next Friday. Like every city, everybody's getting together. Juneteenth, we are getting together for that, and we're gonna have that. But I would not be surprised if there were people who were reacting out of anger and grief and sorrow because such a thing is happening. And so as an organizer, I'm just thinking, how can we be proactive and, and prepare the resources we need to support those people? Because they're not wrong. Right. They're not wrong for right. how they feel. Right. So what can we do about the bail funds in case they get incarcerated or... You know, do you, do you think people are going to show up at that event and, 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 and wild out? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I, I tweeted that a few days ago. I said, listen, Tulsa, if y'all show up, tell me where to donate. Yeah, right, right. I will donate for you all. I think Oklahoma is an open carry state. I will <laughs> donate to y'all to arm yourselves and be yeah. ready. Water fruit roll-ups, whatever you need, I will send it because I want the media to cover that instead of the nonsense that he's going to spit. And you know it's going to be ugly. Yeah, it's going to be be so bad. It's his first one in a while. Oh, he's going to be charged up. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so ugly. And all the black people that show up and support, the ancestors going to handle them. Yeah, I mean that's you know I I, I love talking to you because there's like ten things you can oh, anything you say I'm like I got <laughs> questions for everything you say. Uh, but but you bring that up and today yeah, yeah. L went in on Candace Owens 
and you know you talk about people that are supporting Trump. Uh, obviously, her video about George Floyd went viral. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are your feelings on that? I mean, I'm assuming you know. I, I think we all see her as an opportunist, and this is her. Play. Oh yeah. Um, that yeah. as I can make money by taking money from you know, racist idiots. Yeah, I don't think she supports Trump at all. No, she used to be like liberal. She was like damn near feminist. Like she, this is this is a troll to me. Like this is right. such a long con. The long like, con. She is, yeah, <laughs> it long is a con, long yeah. con. Diamond and Silk, I think, were also on that long con. <laughs> they got cut off. Um, yeah. You know. But no, I definitely think that Candace Owen is on a long con. Um, she's what GOP black chick was trying to be back in the day, but then she stopped as well. Um, I, I think that it's unfortunate um, that Dave felt the need to talk about her vagina mm. because there's so many other things that he could have talked about, about her that are reprehensible. Mm but he felt the need to talk about the smell of her mm. vagina, which is misogyny, right? Mm. And that's Dave's problem, is that, mm. you know, like so many cisgender heterosexual men, he can get the race stuff right, but when it comes to the women's issues and queer issues, queer you know, he's issues a huge yeah. Yeah. You know, he just, he can't get right. And so I posted that on Instagram today, and I was talking about, like, we need to have a nuanced discussion, because in these moments, I, I connect to what he's saying. I feel that raw passion. Like, I feel his pain. At the same time, I also connect to the pain of people that have felt offended by him and harmed by him. And I will call out that he is a transphobe, and I will call out that he was wrong for calling Laura Ingram a cunt. You can say a million things about Laura Ingram, and you don't need to call her a cunt. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I see it happen so much. And as a black feminist and as a queer person, it's just always kind of like, who is really for us? Right. But yeah, I felt that because I'm also black. So I felt that. Mm -hmm. But bro, I know that you ain't really riding for me. Mm. So that's that's the tension there, you know? Yeah, I always feel like they're like, there's something maybe it, maybe I'm making more of it than it needs to be, but there's something there with that with him and and the, like the the queer uh, community, like maybe some suppressed issues you think because it's like it's it feels like there's always a little shot every time. I don't subscribe to this idea that people that are like homophobic or queerphobic have like some latent you know I mean it, it happens a lot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> didn't it just happen with some other elected official or something recently? Uh -huh. Like it happens a lot. Oh yes, right. Lindsey Graham. Mm -hmm. ADG. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, um, it happens, but I don't think that that's necessarily the the issue. I think that particularly again we go back to black masculinity and the fact that it's been attacked for centuries that some people flip and get like really hyper kind of vigilant about protecting what they believe black masculinity is, mm -hmm. and they see you know homosexuality and trans you know gender as weaknesses. So they lash out as mm -hmm. a way of kind of affirming themselves. And it's, it's gross. It's disgusting. Um, and it's like, you always have this, do I still try to reach out to them or do I throw them away? Right. And the social worker in me does not believe in totally throwing people away, but I don't know. Some people make it really hard, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 
Yeah. All right. Are we ready? Uh, we ready to take it to the blunt? Let's yeah, go to the blunt. Sure. We're going to blunt her again. This is the yeah. only person who's been blunted twice, I think. That's right. That's right. Pass the blunt. Pass <laughs> it. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, what uh, If you could have any group play for your birthday, what group would it be, past, present, or future? Boys to men. Oh, yeah? You go to the Philly crowd. You pandering to the Philly crowd? <laughs> no, they're my favorite. Everybody knows. They're my favorite group of all, all, right, all right. I've seen them in concert over 30 times. Go ahead, Greg. No, you go, Reef. Is it me? Yeah, I always um, follow you. Um, the, his Royal Highness's birthday just passed. What is some of Prince's most political songs that we should be listening to right now? Give me one or two. Baltimore. Um, and, uh, God. <gasps> Ronnie Talk to Russia. Oh. That's a very political song. All right, so you get you, uh, you get out of the sauna, the bathtub, or the shower. Do you go robe or towel? I go naked. <laughs> Air dry. But when you're damp, Air dry? You're supposed to put you're supposed to put oil and lotion when you're damp and let it air dry, and that's how your skin stays moisturized. That's why I look so amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's working. Yeah. If a genie could fulfill one wish, what would it be? If I could what? If a genie could fulfill one wish, what would it be? To eradicate greed. <laughs> the root of all isms. Uh, are you planning on traveling anywhere this summer? And if so, where are you heading? God damn, this is triggering. <laughs> because for my birthday, I was supposed to be in Seychelles, and I had a whole suite with an infinity pool, and, and it got canceled. I was supposed to go to Columbia Sorry. in September, <laughs> and that's been pushed back. That uh, got switched to Cape Verde next summer. I was supposed to go to Guatemala in February, but they haven't even had their peak yet, so I had to cancel that. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Thanks, thanks Reef. Thanks, Reef. Nah, we're on a roll. We're on a roll, Reef, until you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to apologize on Reef's behalf for that. Yeah. Thank, thank you, White. Whatever, devil. Yeah, yeah. She ain't going to go against me. Yeah, nah, we, we We were over here with it. <laughs> all right so it's your birthday what's your what's your ideal cake oh german chocolate mm. what are you uh what are you binge watching this goddamn 13 seasons why season four 13 reasons why season four it's horrible uh, <laughs> it's a, like a grown-up gay degrassi <laughs> because it's gay uh, every dude is fucking every dude in this uh, this season i don't know what happened mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's so bad this season, but I can't stop watching. I love tragic white people. <laughs> <laughs> I love shows with tragic white people who can't figure their fucking lives out. <laughs> and so they just start lashing out at each other. Yeah, I, I got a question coming back to that, I think. Mm -hmm. okay. um, <laughs> how did you do with homeschooling? Because I failed miserably. <laughs> my son's school had already been using some online technology so for them the pivot wasn't as bad um and he loved it he loved he preferred it because he was dealing with a lot of bullying so he preferred it so it was kind of cool for me it was just like did you do your attendance today right why is your pe teacher texting me telling me you didn't do your jumping yeah. jacks yeah you know <laughs> it was like that but i'm no. surprised you didn't shoot the school up bullying <laughs> Nah, it's, it, hey, he's got a. It's complicated. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. 
I'm on my way. He's no longer going to that school. So. Speaking of white tragedy, would you rather watch Tiger King or To Catch a Predator? Oh, God. <laughs> so, listen. Yeah. Was that shit. But honestly, I would rather watch Tiger King because, you know, after a while, the children. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Carol Baskin, that bitch. Oh, she's out of her mind, right? She definitely killed him, right? She killed him. We're all in agreement. We're all in agreement. Carol Baskin's a We're all in agreement. No, that bitch did it. Yeah, yeah, she did it, right? (laughs) She forged the will. She forged the will. Okay. You're a wrestling theme music. You decide you're going to become a professional wrestler. What are you coming into the ring with? No matter what they say by Lil' Kim. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, softball Philly question. Who should pl- replace the Rizzo, st- Rizzo statue? Who should it be? Who should go up? I like that one. Nobody. I don't believe in this idolatry. I'm over it. I don't okay. think that people yeah. need statues and stuff yeah. like that. Okay. All right. Other than all present company excluded, if you could, if you could pick the next president of anyone, who would it be? Me. No, no. Present no. company excluded. I knew you were going to go um, there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Um, that's a great question because I've really been thinking about deconstructing leadership and kind of the Ella Baker approach that we all have leadership capacity. Um, but if I were to think of someone. Um, they gotta be alive. Yeah. No, no, it's gotta be real. It's gotta be able to have it. This is my question. Back off, Johnny. No, no, no. It's a, it's a great question. Um, I don't know. I kind of, it kind of like is on the spectrum of that idolatry. Like we always seeking Mm -hmm. leaders and I'm a bit of an anarchist, you know, like I'm a bit (laughs) of, I actually, I actually, I actually think, no, because I actually think that we can have, we will have a generation of anarchy and chaos, but that it will settle. I believe that human beings will fall into a natural progression of things in which they can self-govern and don't have to rely on that kind of leadership. So I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. it won't be a it won't be a cisgender heterosexual man for sure. It won't be a white person for sure. It'll be somebody who can speak to so many experiences. Poor, We're saying person Sinbad. of color. Bad as light skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bad. I, I mean, I don't know. Colorism is a thing. I, I, you know? I, think, I think that's a that's a perfect ending. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. One. Uh. Real quick. Uh. The book. Let's talk. Uh, just before yeah. it comes out, where do we get the book? Uh. We all want to pick everywhere. Giving you space. Um. Where's the best place for us to get it? And what? What are we? What's the most important thing we're gonna learn from it? Oh. The most important thing you're going to learn from reclaiming our space is that every story has an origin and it's important for you to research and learn how things begin, particularly in this age of social media and digital technology. Um, You're going to learn a lot about the things that you love and know and understand and you're going to learn where they came from. For example, this idea of wokeness kind of comes from a brother named Dylan Stevenson, who's a comedian and comic writer who back in the day was signifying with stay woke. And it really translated into that, you know, this whole like wokeness thing. And he does not get the credit for that. So you'll learn stuff like that. You'll also learn about black feminism. 
the book, I want to say you can get it everywhere, but it's sold out. Nice, nice. In most places. It's sold, it's back ordered on Amazon, folks. Sweet. Like, and if you knew how many copies they ordered, you'd be like, wow. <laughs> Um, so you could actually go to gumroad.com slash Ramisa Jones. That's where I sell my signed copies. Like I will actually personalize it for you. But if, and I'm sold out too. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Flex on Flex on Yes. Go to your local, in, you know, your local store. Honestly, I'm big on people going to the library to get it. Libraries are the biggest buyers of books. So just go to call your local library. Say you want reclaiming our space by Feminista Jones. They will order more copies. Some people have told me there that 30, 40 people waits cool. for this book. So do that. Um, the book is only fourteen ninety five. I think Amazon has it on sale. I don't care. I don't care if you get it for two dollars. Just get it and read it and learn about the moment that we are in right now and how Black women are really shaping so much of it. Nice. All right. Well, let's. Uh, Thank you so much. You're the greatest man, seriously. Yeah, the best. Yeah. Like, the best. <laughs> it's not even close. It's not even close. Yeah. And and, and you. give us give us your socials so all yeah. of these young white people can follow you. Yes. I know that that's you know you've been saying yeah. Well, well what's the socials? Jones everywhere. <laughs> Femisa Jones. Jones. Okay. Instagram. So Twitter, Twitter. I'm Femisa Jones. Instagram. I'm Femisa Jones. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Femisa Jones official. Like, it's I'm a must follow, everywhere. must follow everywhere. Must follow. Yeah, Thank must follow. Thank you so much. I love you all so much. I unfollowed like everybody earlier this year because I needed a reset. Um, so, you know, don't don't take it personal. But please yeah. connect with me. I, I love having you all around. I love the Philly Blunt uh, guys. You guys are so Thank amazing you. and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. That you like, that's like back. serious, legit. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you for calling Johnny a devil. You love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, it's going on my resume. It's going on my resume. <laughs> it's okay, though. It's, it's so right. awesome. And I'm, yeah. and I'm drunk now. Thanks, guys. Nice. Oh, All right. Nice. Thank you. Nice. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Just the sound of Philadelphia. the home of brotherly love brothers covered in blood the man's office is covered in bugs the youth dreams cut short sweat